Thank you all so much. It's been a great part of this season. It's seeing our church be the church. We've been blessed by so many people uh, through their musical gifts and then to hear from Dana Broussard and Billy Hutto, to be encouraged by them and their call upon our lives. It's been a great treat. And then today, for me especially, Commitment Sunday, uh, to know that we've been praying and thinking about it, that doesn't mean we brought our commitment card. I won't ask for a show of hands how many of y'all forgot them at home. That's happened to the pastor's family, and I work at the church. But you've been praying and thinking about it, and it's doubly exciting for me. For y'all worshiping online, you can't enjoy this as much, but I got out of time out. Linda and Corey on vacation, I got to sit with the adults this week. I got moved to the adult Thanksgiving table, so that's been a blessing. Who are we to be? What, what, what was the church, the early church, right out of the chute? What do we see in their lives? Because their lives are to be our lives. Their pattern is to be our pattern. Jesus had said to them just before he ascended, you're going to have all kinds of power and you're going to be my witnesses. How do they express that? What do they do? What was the old normal as we want to get back to that normal? Whatever was normal for them, we want it to be normal for us. Now listen, we didn't have time last week, but I want to take just a second to back up. We were in Acts chapter 9 last week when Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on your translation, when we saw that she was continually, and that's the word throughout this series, what did the church do continually? What, did they, what were they abounding in? She was continually doing good deeds and giving charitable gifts. But we really didn't talk about the context of that. That's Acts chapter 9. You really need to back up to Acts chapter 7 to get the context of what she does. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is the first Christian martyr of the church. You get to Acts chapter 8, and Scripture itself says that, depending on your translation, Saul ravages the church. So that in Acts chapter 8 verse 4, it says that the church scatters. But I love the very next phrase. The church scatters. They run because of the persecution. And the next thing said was they scattered and went about preaching the word. They still didn't stop. Even when persecution, and it's going to get worse for hundreds of years, it's going to continue to grow and get worse. But as soon as persecution comes, the church who is being hunted and scattered continues to serve. Now that amplifies the actions of Philip. That amplifies the actions of Tabitha, who we talked about last week. In the midst of that kind of difficult time, she won't stop serving. She won't stop giving. Now, it's starting in Jerusalem. It's starting to spread out. But even at her place, even with all that happening and the news of that has spread, Philip, Stephen, who's given his life, Tabitha, what we would call is just, these aren't disciples. These aren't the 12. Everyday folks doing everyday things, and God impacts that gift and does astounding things in and through their lives. That's what the church did. That was a continual thing in the midst of tough times. So what we're going to see now is we're going to go back to Acts chapter 2, where things were good. What happens? What do you do when things are good so that when you bump into Acts 7, 8, and 9, you can get 
through it. What got the church through those times, so much of it is found in our, in our passage today. That they were continually serving one another. If you need something, you let me know. I've got your back. They were continually praying together. We marked that in our first sermon together. There's formal times and just spontaneous prayers. It was a church of prayer. But then what do we see here? What else did they continually do? They just just fellowshiped. They broke bread together. Some, Some commentary says that was communion, but also we find them later going house to house, breaking bread so maybe it was communion sometimes maybe it was just eating meals with each other or as a an agape feast or a love feast that we talk about that's the other pattern for the church now this is a pattern that if you you've been watching our ecclesiastes study this is a pattern that really goes all the way back to genesis 1 and 2 when we were created in the very image of god which means we are created to worship but we're also created for relationships. Do you ever notice when Eve was given to Adam? It's not after the fall. We were created, God is so selfless and so good that he created needs within us that are met through other people. And this, this, this is before the fall. This is when things were perfect and yet God stands back and says, I'm going to let that person meet your need. Um, says something about his character, but it is a reminder to us that we are, and I'll come back to this later, we are hardwired for relationship and for connections. That's seen in the very first pictures of Scripture. But then you go to Jesus' life, and you look at his life, and you think about the incarnate Lord. What do you see in his life? Look, you see these, other, these same things. It's continual prayer. It's, where did he go this morning? He's praying again. He's been up all night. You look at his life, even his own testimony in Mark 10, 45. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. He's constantly serving, and he's pressed by the crowds, and he serves, and he serves. But he also is committed to fellowship. This is Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega the bright morning star, the Lamb of God, the King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Yes, perfect fellowship with the Father. And now you've come incarnate. You're going to hang out with us? Yes. It's the pattern over and over again that the transcendent God, Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, he's hanging out with two or three. Peter, James, John, come away with me. And then he's doing life with the twelve just constantly pouring into them and, and hearing from them as well. And then you, you, look, you look at the, the fact that he was connected to a large group of disciples, mostly women, who followed him. And then he did the tabernacle, and he did the, te- uh, the festivals, went to the temple. The picture over and over again in Jesus' life is to minister to in fellowship, but even to say, I need It's one of the last words we get before his arrest. Guys, I am at the point of death. Would you stay and watch? That's our Lord needing to be ministered to by others. It's the pattern we get from the very beginning of Scripture, made in his image. It's the pattern we get in Jesus' life. And then if you're an axe, it's just everywhere. This continual first thing, fellowship, groups, house, eating, 
And then Acts 4, John and, and Peter are arrested. Where are the, where are the, where's the church? They're meeting together, praying together of one heart and one soul. Acts 5.12, they're of one accord. Acts 5.42, they're going house to house, on and on. So much so that our forefather, John Wesley, would say this of our faith. Christianity is a social religion. And to turn it into a solitary religion is to destroy it. I don't mean that it cannot subsist so well, but that it cannot subsist at all. Without society, without living and conversing with other people. I listened to a podcast this week. I'd encourage you to to listen to it. It's called The Art of Holiness. It's a Wesleyan podcast. It's out of Asbury Seminary. Uh, a, a mom and her son, they're both in ministry, lead it. But this week they had on Dr. Kevin Watson. I've been able to talk with him several times and read several of his books. I know Ben has had several of y'all reading Dr. Watson's books. Just a great guy. And one of the things he reminded in this past week uh, was that Wesley was so serious about you and I doing life together. You couldn't have gotten in this room if you hadn't been in a group. You had to go to small group or to a class meeting and gotten your ticket punched there to have been able to be a part of corporate worship. Why? I like it how Kevin, Kevin Watson said it. Here's this big ivory tower guy, and this is how he says it. Methodists show up. That so much of life, if it's going to be vibrant, if we're going to be holy, if we're going to make it through the tough times, We've got to connect. And that was the beauty of Wesley's, Wesley's discipleship. I'm, I'm, Wesley would have never said this. But my paraphrase would be, I'm not playing. If you want to get through well, you have to do life together. Dr. Tim Tennant, president of Asbury Seminary, said recently on the, similar podca- on the same podcast, you can get saved on a desert island. You can get saved on a desert island. You can find Jesus on a desert island. You will not get sanctified. You just will not get sanctified on a desert island. And that's the genius of Wesley. Put, and that's a, it's the pattern we see in the church. It's the pattern we see, most importantly, with our Lord and Savior. We have to be with others and to be real with others, to do life together. And I want to go back to Acts 9 one more time. I had missed this till this week. And looking at Acts 2, it brought me back to the beginning of Acts 9. Now, if you remember the beginning of Acts 9, Saul, he saw then, is confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? Why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he's blinded there. Who healed Saul from his blindness? Matter of fact, Saul comes to Christ, but who who gets him to receive the Holy Spirit? This says something again about the beauty of our Savior. Jesus doesn't do it. What does Jesus do instead? What does God do instead? Ananias, I need you to get up and go see Saul. The, The ravager of the church, I need you to go. And that's when the scales come off. And that's when Paul, Saul, receives the Holy Spirit. God knows we need flesh and blood. And in some season, God knows we need Zoom. 
We need connection. We need relationships. There is, as John Wesley would say, there just can't be, I'm going to press through. There are some things that we will not receive, but by others. And God's so good to let others do that, to meet those needs. And there's, there's I'll give you a personal example. I, I've told you before that I, I came to know Christ um, right before high school. Praise the Lord. Um, I was going down a certain path. It was a night-day conversion. And I, I, uh, I got fired up for the Lord. Uh, I, I can't believe, where's Sandra? I can't believe y'all didn't kick me out of Level Woods because I formed a Christian rock band with Jerry Mitchell's son. We were going to save the world through music. That didn't work out so well. But uh, I was president of that youth council two times. I was president of the East Jackson District Youth Council. I was chaplain of the Mississippi Association of Student Councils. I was on fire for Jesus, out of the chute, saved by Christ, ecstatic for the Lord. But I also had plans. Matter of fact, I had, I had certain plans. I had my college picked out. I had my career picked out. And, I'm, and I had even shared those plans uh, with a calculus teacher of mine, um, just a wonderful, wonderful woman. And I remember she said something to me my senior year. So this is a couple of years after my conversion. And she had heard my testimony. I got to give it at my school. Um, and she knew of my faith. And my dad was a principal there. So we, we talked after school. But I remember Mrs. Lewis saying something to me that, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. And I remember she knows my plans. And, hey, I had won her math awards pretty much every year, right? Here's what she said. Barry, have you thought about being a pastor? I'm going this way. I've got this in my life. I've got it scoped out. And I'm, I'm one of your better students, and you're telling me to not go that way. Listen, preachers don't care about numbers. How many people here? doesn't matter. I'm going to say 800 people here. I'm a pre Preachers lie about numbers, right? Preachers are terrible with numbers. God took somebody, and this is sadly how we can feel. We can just think I'm a normal person. I'm an everyday person. Now, teachers are especially critical. We talk about it all the time. The hours that they have with our children and our students. It's, it's unreal what administ administrators and teachers and counselors can do to form our kids. But, but she could have felt, I'm just an everyday person teaching everyday numbers, and she changed my life. She didn't know I'd been battling an inner call. And I felt there's no way. Do you know my, my past? Do you know my this or my inadequacies I'm an introvert I hate speaking in public never God Barry have you thought about being a pastor the importance not only do I go to small group or to Sunday school or do a band meeting or a, a covenant group I don't just do that maybe you don't feel the need and you just go to minister that's wonderful but there's some things maybe we won't receive we don't get them through flesh and blood somebody else who will come alongside and said what's really going on in your life how are you doing do you see this in your life because I see this in your life it changed my life one sentence changed my life how is that 
for you. It changed Saul's life. Uh, you can be that kind of life change because you give yourself, or as Kevin Watson in his very flowery, high language says, you just show up. Will you show up and connect and relate? That's what you see here. Matter of fact, I miss this phrase. Now you think about this. The church is scattered. They go about preaching the word, and I get all kinds of fired up about that. The church is going out, preach the word. That's what Acts is about, the Acts of the Apostles, going out and taking the word from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the utter ends of the world, and it stutter steps all the time. You read this book, and you're like, go get them, and they go, wait, let's hang out here for a few days. No, that's what happens here. It's what happened last, or it happens with Peter last week in Acts 9. These amazing, this amazing ministry, and then he stays for a few days. Get going. No. You watch Paul's life. Go back and count when you reread Acts next time. How many times do you see Peter or Paul staying with people for a season? doing life. It's not just about getting things done. Matter of fact, the early church wouldn't have gotten things done had they not committed themselves to this kind of life together. No other book of the entire New Testament talks about staying more than Acts. A book about going talks about staying more than any other book of the New Testament. To do life together, to encourage each other, to connect with one another. One commentary said this week, the church is a real church only when it is a band of brothers, only when it's a band of sisters, only when it's a band of brothers and sisters. I hope and pray you're doing that. I know I push on that because I believe and scripture teaches that that's how we thrive. That's how the early church got through. It was their prayer life. It was their serving life in the midst of chaos, and they still serve, but also it was doing life together. G. Campbell Morgan says it this way. Those early Christians talked about, or excuse me, those early Christians talked together of the things of their spiritual life. It's great to talk about weather. It's great to talk about, not football. It's great to talk about other sports. uh, But they talked of their spiritual life. And there is no sure way to conserve and strengthen Christian life than that of such fellowship. We've got to find it. If you can't find it, call Ben, call me, call Steve, call Renee, call Corey, call Linda. We want to connect you with others. There isn't, there just won't be a vibrancy either in your ministry to others, but also in the ways in which you're ministered to. And here's, here's the worry of the preacher, is the fallout. As you look across your life and you think about those times when you got disconnected, you got busy or you just wanted to uh, avoid that extra time, it was a big commitment, or maybe you just got tired of, when you got disconnected, look at your life. Did things slip for you spiritually? What we see in the early church, as you, as you mark this, we see that they begin to slip. And it's partly because they dis connected. As I said earlier, as we started, Dr. Watson says we are hardwired for connection. He goes on in that podcast to say this, we're hardwired for connection. The question is not, will you connect, but with who or what will we connect? And will it bring life or will it be with imposters that steal 
life. Looks like life, but it steals life. And that's what you see early on, and it's pretty sad. Acts 2, you see this vibrant kind of commitment that if we're going to get through this thing and just following the lead of Jesus, it's going to be a life together. That's Acts chapter 2, and by Acts chapter 5, we've got Ananias and Sapphira. Now, maybe it is just greedy money, but if you go to the last verse of chapter 4, it's Barnabas who sells a track of land, and maybe it's keeping up with the Joneses. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's trying to one-up this disconnect that happens relationally. You go to Paul's letters, and he's constantly talking about people breaking away, the importance of doing life together well, so much so that the author of Hebrews, whoever he is, says, do not be in the habit of, of, uh, of missing each other. Don't give up meeting together because some are already in the habit of doing that. How critical it is that we are together because if we're not, um, there is going to be, and you see it early on in Acts, whether it's chapter 5 or on, there's going to be fallout. John Wesley, the last quote here, I know I'm doing a lot of quotes, but John Wesley would say, solitary religion is not to be found here. Holy solitaries is a phrase no more consistent with the gospel than holy adulterers. The gospel of Christ knows of no religion but social. No holiness but social holiness. Meaning that just you and I cannot thrive with the Lord, do what we're called to do, go through in Acts 8 or 9, or go through the stuff we're going through now with this pandemic. We won't do it well just gutting it out. It's just me and Jesus. What the pattern we see from the Lord, what pattern we see from Acts, the pattern we see from our early Methodists, we have to be connected to others. How's that been for you? Where's that been? Where you confess, when I got out of step, with just, look, I know there's a duty to that or a legalism to that, but when I got out of groups, did I see some fallout? It's been part of the heartbreak of this season. Um, um, we lost uh, somebody in our CR program through six months, seven months, not having a group. And I'm so pleased that this church continued to reach out to that individual, that this church and some of the members of our CR team texted, come back, hey, we're missing you, where are you, what's going on, and she's gone. You've probably heard about it on the news. Shot by her boyfriend. She got out of groups, disconnected. We are all going to connect to someone or some things, and so she found connection here. This is a beautiful pattern for the church. And I'm trying not, I don't mean to be over the top, but it, it's just that reminder that sin will look less like sin when I'm disconnected from others. It's one of the beauty of the Methodists. You know what, when they did the band meeting, so nope, I'm not pressuring you to be in a band. When they did band meetings in the Methodists with two or three people, you know what the first question is when you walked into the band? How'd you sin today? You had a birthday recently, right? Okay, this is your birthday present. How'd you sin this week, Vicky? Think about that. That's your, and by the way, you know who actually started? Preacher. Preacher would go first. When you're in that kind of community who somebody really cares for your soul and says what's going on, and you have to say what's really going on, you don't slip into sin as easily. And you, and you see the, 
I'm not only I'm falling away, but I'm, I'm causing them to be discouraged. Let's talk, about, let's talk about the pattern. The pattern is life together. And in our culture, with all that we have on us, having to separate from one another, talk with Ben about creative ways in which we can do that. In all the busyness of this life and this culture, who has time for an hour and a half small group? Who has time for Sunday school? Who has time? And, and, and acts would press you at every point. This is how they found their life. This is what got them through. Yes, it was holding on to Jesus, but we don't hold on to him well unless we're holding on to each other. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about how it is you and I can continually pray, continually serve if you need help, and how you're going to do that, and how you can get on the website to do that. We want to encourage you in that. But also, they continued the fellowship. They continued to go house uh, to house. And here's what's great. What's the last verse say? I think this is the positive fallout. What's the last verse say of chapter 2? Because of that kind of life, yes, because of the miracles, yes, because they were under the teaching, but all these pictures of fellowship, 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 the Lord was adding people all the time to the faith because the church said we're going to stay together. How is it you need to recommit yourself going into next year out of all this mess of this season? You know what? Either I'm probably not receiving what I ought to receive because I've not put myself with others, or maybe it's just part of your ministry. You are, you're to be a mentor to somebody at work. You're to be a mentor to somebody in a community group. You're to be a fellowship partner through our church and walk with one of our new church members. You're supposed to lead a small group. If you had to ask me as a preacher, let me say this. Lead a board or lead a small group? I'd say lead a small group. You want to talk about ministry that can happen? You look at the, the life of the church, what, how Jesus invested his time? Lead a small group. Oh, what things can happen. And Luke says to us in Acts, the Lord just kept adding numbers all the time because of that. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you that you've created us in your image for yourself but also because you're a triune God, you've created us for relationships. And so I just pray is that we look across our lives and we're thinking of a season of commitment. Father, show us. Show us maybe there are ways where we need to lead. We need to invest in others and to, and to, to mentor and to guide. But Father, I pray as well that you would, by your spirit, make us open to the blessing of others. Father, you've given us each other a band of brothers, a band of sisters. Father, help us to be faithful, to live out the pattern that your son set for us, that the early church set for us. We thank you for that gift. Adam knew he needed it. Even our Lord enjoyed it. So, Father, make us faithful uh, to live into that. We thank you for this season again to think about how in just the normal stuff of life, you work through us. You're so good to do that in our prayers, in our acts of service, and through our life together, you show up. So bless us as a church family. Give us one mind, one heart, one soul, as Act talks about, so that we might build faithful disciples and serve our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time together in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.